Hello, and welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to uh, talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level to interact with us. Love seeing you live every Thursday night on Facebook or on YouTube, so hello to all of you all in chat. If you're in the chat, you might just see your comments show up on the air. Um, then after that, love seeing you or hearing you, as Jason would say, on uh, your favorite podcast app after that. You know me. My name is John Ruark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge, number 1957, in Fairfax, Virginia. And since Jason was so excited to be join, joining in, we'll go to his introduction next. Hi, Jason. Hey, everybody. Uh, Jason Richards here, past master of Vacation Lodge, number 16, in Clifton, Virginia, a member of a couple other lodges. But uh, I am excited to get into PowerPoint karaoke. As am I. <laughs> Very excited. You know who also is excited? Joe Martinez. Hey, how's it going, Joe? Hello there. Hello. Yeah. Joe Martinez. Uh, I do things and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm super jazzed about uh, PowerPoint karaoke. All right. All right. Do it. Last but not least, Robert Johnson. How's it going, Robert? It's going great. Robert Johnson, past master, Waukegan 78, current sitting secretary at 1183. Uh, is the number of the lodge space novum premier education lodge in illinois and the host of the uh, 2023 masonic on chicago we made it boom (laughs) very cool all right want to give a special shout out to the patrons who support the show you guys are awesome head over patreon.com slash the masonic round table to keep this masonic education going for many years to come Many, many years. Love you. Love you bunches. Kisses and hugs. Yes. All right. Let's see. Not necessarily in that order. (laughs) Right. Or you mix and match them. Yes. There we go. Spice it up. Spice it up. It's like a box of chocolates. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know what? We'll we'll think just to mix things up, we're going to skip the tarot card of the week so we can get to all the fun goodies that is PowerPoint karaoke. So, we're revisiting a classic, but this is also one that is a very, very simple thing that you can do to spice up your lodge education. And so you'll see us really spice it up tonight. Uh, and first, I'll, I'll lay the ground rules of what PowerPoint karaoke is. And it's then, basically uh, stump the chump. Stump the chump. <laughs> it t- tests your tap dancing abilities. All right. <laughs> so uh, PowerPoint karaoke is a game where... A series of volunteers will each give a PowerPoint or Google Slides or name your own favorite presentation tool um, containing slides they have never seen before. And so as each of us gives our topic tonight, we will have seen these shows, these slides live on the air and thus must relate what they are talking about to the slides. Um, You must deliver each slide in succession without skipping slides. And the presentation ends when all the slides have been presented or six minutes um, ends to, uh, or whichever comes first, right? So I want to keep this tight, fun, um, and, uh, not make you sweat too much. And so, um, again, this is, this is something very easy to do, very fun to do, uh, where, um, what we did was kind of drew names from a hat. We each get to pick our own short three, five, seven minute Masonic presentation. We drew names from chat GPT from chat. Well, you know, from the AI, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> We're in an AI world now. It's an AI hat. And then uh, it randomly also picked someone else 
to build the slides. So it's, it's all about creativity and trying to throw people off their game for a lot and of And those building the slides do not know the topic. That is true. That is true. We just we just talked about what we're going to talk about in the green room tonight. So it'll be fun. Um, and they don't have to be the same. That's the beauty of it. Um, it, it makes it entertaining. It makes it fun. And it, it keeps uh, it, it keeps the the uh, improv going for for uh, for Masonic education. Robert? I feel really bad because <laughs> like ever since YouTube said something along the lines of uh, profanity isn't such a big deal. This is going to be testing the. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be spicy, though. (laughs) It's going to be spicy. It's going to be spicy. It's like Uh, a show. Yeah. Uh, I know that uh, you just shared that. Chad Kapinski, big fan of uh, this type of improv and acting techniques. So, yes, a real teacher is one who could teach a presentation with whatever board, whatever was on the board from the period before. Um, Hi, Chad. This is also a life skill, right? Um, if you can go with the flow of the presentation or the conversation, then as long as you know your stuff, you're good to go. Well, and a lot of that too is is you know kind of facilitation 101. Um, mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, you know, especially if you're if you're trying to lead a discussion. You know, you can reference the slides, but then, huh. yeah, we can't do that tonight. But ultimately, if you're facilitating something like a discussion on Masonic education, you, know, you can get others to weigh in. Right. That won't happen. To- <clears throat> that will not happen tonight. Tonight is six minutes of pure pain. Yeah, it will be. So, I'm really nervous. I'm like, yeah. thinking, I'm like, I know my my little spiel that I'm going to do, and I'm thinking... Uh, I think Joe got randomly selected to build my slides. So I'm just thinking like, this is, <laughs> it's going to be fun. I'm going to be making lots of little pauses. I hope I can get through it in six minutes. <laughs> it will make me think. It will make you think. <laughs> oh, you'll get an extra minute or two, my friend. You're going oh, great. So, so yeah. because this is a live show and because these are never before seen slides, this could be an awful show. So we apologize in advance. <laughs> okay. I'm drinking. Well, yes. I'll, I'll um, salute to that. And have fun with your seltzer water. Who wants to be brought to you by SodaStream? Who wants to? Who wants to volunteer to go first? I'll go first. <gasps> All righty. So Jason will be giving his presentation first, and uh, I'll try to make sure we don't go go too long over time. And then who- the person who goes gets his. His or his slides ready for the next person. Uh, that? English. So be- because you gave the presentation, then you will drive the slides for who you built them for next. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That's a good, that's a good rule. I like it. All right. So who built Jason's slides? All righty. So you have the screen. Good, sir. Okay. I'll let All you right, Robert. Are you ready? Don't screw this up for me. All Hold right. On tight. Now- the rule is I get to advance the slides as I see fit, correct? Correct. Yes. Yes. And right. you got to announce your topic before he starts the slides. All right. Well, you hit the, here. Let's go like this. I'm going to say. Uh, so, everyone, um, good evening. My name is Jason Richards, past master of Acacia Lodge. And I'm here to talk to you today about the question, what are we here to do? Hmm. All right. Hold what on. is our aim as Masons? 
Let's begin. Slides, please. Uh, one, one, one second here. It it failed to initiate oh, a. Uh, let's go. Nothing. Failing to initiate. Never this heard is, that before. Hold on. Let's do this. I'm gonna just like, check. Slide. You don't get your EA degree. You you fail to initiate. Here. Oh. Yep. I got it because you can upload it right into the deck. So. All righty. Bazinga. Ba bam. <clears throat> do it. Bam. And obviously, this is much better as a YouTube show rather than a audio-only podcast. That's right. And everybody else, upload your slides so we're not sitting here waiting. Like that's right. Well, now, yeah. Upload right, so your I'll slides to what? My slides under present. Boom. Present. Slides. Okay. Did it work? You got to um, add it to the stream now. Click on the click on the picture. Add to the stream. Here we go. Okay. Take it away, Jason. So, what are we here to do? We all know as Masons that we have a limited time on, on, the, on this earth. At some point, each one of us is going to die. And so, why do we give our time and energy to this fraternity? What are we supposed to do with it? You know, every Mason is, is asked that very question. And so tonight I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about what we're here to do. Are we just a social club, drinking coffee, getting green beans? Um, is our aim really just to be a VFW post or a place where brothers can get together and talk shit? about everyone else they, they as they see fit. Um, I would argue no. As Masons, we're taught to learn to subdue our passions, which means keeping your sausages put and to ultimately improve ourselves, you know, in, in Masonry. You know, how how do we improve ourselves in Masonry? It's a bit like growing a garden. You want to grow yourself and make you better, but you need to tend to the entire garden, growing the tomatoes and the garlic and the parsley um, and making your lodge brethren better. Something that I think is keenly important in the Masonic fraternity today is um, diversity of opinions. Uh, a lot of times... In masonry, you know, we don't get along. We fight each other, and we shoot stinging barbs at each other. Um, we are not the men we purport to be, but that doesn't mean we can't improve ourselves and make ourselves better. By keeping our passions subdued and anchoring ourselves on the volume of sacred law and the square encompasses, um, you know, those are more than just symbols those are you know tenets and you know <laughs> pieces of our system of um morality and you're not going to agree with everybody in this organization part of making good men better is meeting on the level engaging in rhetoric where you can have a learned discussion that is fact-based and based on mutual understanding as opposed to just one person you know with a sandwich board 
with their fingers in their ears going, I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. In lodge meetings themselves, of course, don't talk about religion, politics, nationalities, borders. Um, but outside the lodge, part of what makes us better is engaging in rhetoric and opening our minds to better ideas. Part of our aim in the fraternity is also to grow closer to God. Um, and whatever form he, she, it, furry or otherwise, you know, may, may come to you. One of the great things about Freemasonry is it's ecumenicalism. It is a brotherhood of men under a fatherhood of God. And so as long as you believe in that supreme being, which could be the rainbow cat for, for all we know, um, you know, you are here and, and you are a welcomed part of the organization. Um, of course, if you're really interested in rainbows, you can go on to join some other appendant bodies or uh, put some time into some awesome youth organizations as, as well. But the fact of the matter is kind of bringing, bringing this back around, why are we here to improve ourselves? And it, it's simply because we have limited amounts of time left. We don't know when we're going to breathe our last through natural or involuntary you know, unnatural causes. And that's why it is so important for us as men and Masons to meet each other, to try to learn, to subdue our passions, and ultimately to help each other grow past our own biases and blinders. Um, and it doesn't matter how you dress. And it doesn't matter how you look. We're here to work on the internal and not the external. Um, though I would recommend at least wearing a shirt to lodge because that is, that is always helpful. Um, and, uh, you know, Masons don't typically look like this, this gentleman here, but that, that brings us to, uh, to another good point, you know, you don't have to wear the suit and tuxedo to lodge and oftentimes i've heard from you know lodges that espouse a given dress code that um i've heard from others that that's very isolating you know those lodges kind of feel like out in the woods by themselves and that that very much defeats the purpose and the aim of of freemasonry another final um reason why we're here is to make masons and make more masons we are here to spread the light of freemasonry and pass down that initiatic experience um <clears throat> not unlike you know primitive right of rites of passage um that would take the place out in the woods and out in the forest under the cover of night um we are here to pass on pass on that initiatory hidden knowledge that is in Freemasonry, that is the true secret of Freemasonry, and help expand the circle of men and fellows who that we can work with to become better before we end up leaving this earthly plane. 
now I'm just wax and poetic, Robert. <laughs> I'd say that's a good place to end. <laughs> bravo, bravo. Bravo. You're muted there, smarty pants. Yeah, muting, muting. Congratulations. You literally uh, made that work somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get to that, yeah. So how was that, Jason? Um, <clears throat> so it was it was good. Um, the, so I, I only lost it with the, uh, with the Trump supporter, um, and that, and that was just because I had to read and then figure things out. What, what I have found is that if you talk about something, you know, really well, and you stick to a broad overview, it gives you kind of the maximum brain power to pivot. And so now, you know, John, what I think you're going to find is I put a thematic slide deck together on a very specific topic and theme that has Ooh, nothing to do with your topic and that's theme. That's going to hurt. That's really going to hurt. And <clears throat> that's going to be hard. <laughs> so, but until that but, happens... So I got RJ slides ready. Robert, are you ready? So Jason was going to oh, go. That was the person who presented. No, it's the it is the person who who orated. Spoke. IDGAF. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh my goodness. <laughs> all right. All right, you go, John. All right. So it's processing. Oh, that's right. So it is me. <clears throat> Alrighty. Well, in that yep. case. As soon as uh as soon as it's done processing, as soon as it's done processing. Processing. All right. Well, um, I will worry about this one because I'm actually doing one. Yeah, that introduce is, your topic. Yes, I'm doing a topic that is historical. Therefore, there's not much fudge factor that you can tuck dance around. And that is on the complexity of Benedict Arnold. <laughs> but, but as it relates to chains and transformation or whatever the I feel like talking about. Alrighty. So by brother John Rourke. J O H N Roark. That that's horrible likeness. Okay, here we go. Um so we have brother and an early patriot turned traitor, Benedict Arnold, who was born in 1741. <clears throat> that uh, you know, he was fighting um in the con uh, in the the Continental Army against taxes, right? Taxes were awful. They had represent, uh, they had taxation without representation in the early colonies, <clears throat> and so obviously that was very much like like theft uh, today. And um, so, in his his upbringing, he he decided to join the army very early, <clears throat> and by respecting the hedgehog, um, he he wanted to to fight back. The the change might be pokey, but it's pokey for a reason, in the sense that. Um, he wanted to fight back against these, what he thought were um, these, these Tories that were taking over uh, his motherland and became a great soldier and got many promotions, became a great um, um, ranked uh, individual for his heroic efforts on the battlefield. Truly was a great strategist and also was a, a little bit of a, a type A driver, kind of like one of these guys who would walk all over you to get what he wanted to. <clears throat> he definitely did not take into account his inner alchemy um, by by really looking inward. He wanted just um, 
status. He wanted uh, all the material things and not the not the internal things as far as his role in the American Revolution. And so um, he he eventually got to the uh, the uh, Battle of Saratoga, in which he um, ha- was fired into his leg and actually um, during multiple battles injured his leg three times so much that he could barely walk on it. Um, his leg became two inches shorter than the other one. And it was extremely painful. And it basically put him off of the battlefield, right? So there, he was not able to, uh, to, to take on that military rite of passage anymore. His, his rite of passage was, was stopped halfway through. Um, and so he, he stopped growing as, uh, in reputation and in stature in his mind. And that's really when his, uh, his turning started to occur. Right. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it, we, we know him as a traitor because, um, he, he did collapse and crumble. He, he had, he was like the, the proverbial tarot card of the tower, right? Um, not always the worst thing in the world, uh, because, you know, everyone has their own reasons for churning. Um, he, he did, uh, defect in, in the fact that he was actually given control of the uh of i think west point area and his his plan was to actually turn over west point to the british he was going to surrender the fort for exchange for the enormous sum of twenty thousand pounds <clears throat> and a significant significant position in the british military right he's he can't grow anymore in the continental military so he um you know, he, he jumped into the tower for this one and, and decided to li- literally strike, uh, bet his career, his life, his connections on it. Um, and so <clears throat> that unfortunately did not unleash his higher consciousness. Um, you know, what, what you become might be alien, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it was a bad thing in, in his case where he, um, ended up, you know, uh, working for uh, the British spy master, John Andre, and uh, which eventually led to Andre's execution um, for, for getting revealed in that Um, his, and then really his Masonic career died as well. Um, Benedict Arnold's Masonic career stopped. He really don't have many records of him visiting lodges after his turn um, because uh, his, his inner alchemy stopped right where the path of the inner leads you to commune with the divine he he sold his soul and and really stopped any, any of that growth as well um because he he got busy changing by getting busy dying he he, he quit he he um lived in london for another 20 years and you know sacrificed uh, a lot to um live out his his uh, the rest of his life as a traitor and as um a, a subject under the crown one one little epilogue to the story more skulls right um not only did he did he die as a traitor to the to the country he died as a as a member in his own mother lodge he was uh, he joined Hiram lodge number one in new haven connecticut in 1761 about 20 years old um and however after learning of arnold's treason uh Hiram lodge gave him the skull or struck his name from membership and other other lodges in the area, such as Solomon Lodge Number One in Poughkeepsie in New York, later passed a resolution that said that ordered that the name of Benedict Arnold be considered as obliterated from the minutes of a lodge. 
this traitor. And um, one little final part of the story <clears throat> that might be related is that um, it is believed that while selling out West Point, he gained the trust of various officers using Masonic modes of recognition to gain, gain their trust. And um, so that's uh, whether it's not really been proven, it is something that uh, definitely when you are all in as a traitor, um, you're committing your life to that uh, deception. So with that, that's my presentation. And thank you for giving me probably one of the hardest presentations I've done in my whole life. <laughs> You did really well. <laughs> you did very, very well. Because so, it was it was essentially an antithesis because yeah. Benedict Arnold largely <laughs> was kind of on that path away from transformation and inner alchemy. Right. Or perhaps he was transforming himself into the villain. I don't know. Oh, that's true. I mean, that, that was wild. I was not expecting that. So kudos to you for throwing a wrench in, in the machine. <laughs> it was hard enough to keep track of actual facts and figures. Yeah, that was, you know, lesson learned. Don't do that ever again. <laughs> that's, another, <laughs> that's another key thing is do anecdotal presentations. Yes. Because it's easier to... <laughs> to fake it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easier. Like, I probably talked about making good men men better like 10 different times because it fit with the slide a different right. way yeah but um and then you throwing the thematic arc that uh, for a completely different topic that was tough that was tough but um about halfway through i was i, was, I saw where you're going with it bazinga all righty yeah all of those images were dolly <gasps> nice. images to include brother john roark who was a oh. dolly of no your face shut the front door yeah <laughs> that's amazing yeah they yeah <laughs> I, I took a uh, a picture of you smiling in your polo in your tmr polo nice all right next up i will be presenting the slides for brother joe oh all right all right are you processing i am going to share a screen Okie dokie. So uh, you can go ahead and introduce your topic. All right. Uh, first, big shout out to Nate. Nate's watching. Uh, yeah, he wanted to stay up. And so what's up, Nate? Good to hey. see you. Um, yeah, and today I was going to talk about, <clears throat> so afraid to tell you the topic, um, the value that Freemasonry bring, brings to members and to the community. Um, so I'm hoping that the slides talk about that. But they probably well, that's interesting because that's not what my slides say. Okay. All right. So <laughs> my name is Joe Martinez, uh, Pisces, and uh, I'm going to talk about the value that Freemasonry brings to people and to the community as a whole. And I'm going to frame that around why I learned to love something that I didn't like initially. Um, a great example is Google Slides, uh, my least favorite way of presenting things. So it's just... Um, it's ugly. It's not what you think it's going to be. And, um, you know, it takes a long time to learn uh, some of those qualities you find in Freemasonry and the value that it brings. So, um, you know, yeah, let's just, uh, just get right into it and, and see what happens. Um, so 
this leads me into my first, uh, this is a really good segue into the first value add that Freemasonry brings. It's personal growth and development, right? So um, Freemasonry encourages people to strive for self-improvement through education, through eating things that they don't normally like to eat. Um, you know, they step outside of their comfort zone and they get a bit introspective, um, you know, and this is a great example. Why, you know, like green beans, um, you know, that's that's a story and there's a feeling and an empathy behind it. And, you know, it, it recalls memories and you got to learn through the tools that you get in Freemasonry, how to grow past those feelings and past those emotions and get to a better place. So, um, you know, I think this is a great way to show me personally. I don't like all green beans. I like some of them, but maybe I'm too picky. You know, maybe I am too judgy and that is not the Masonic way to be, you know, um, you know, especially with, uh, with green beans, you know, and, uh, let's talk about, let's see, Peter, the fisherman, Jesus said, fish is totally not meat. Like, trust me, bro. And then Peter, the fisherman after Lent. So this is a really good example of, um, symbolic learning. Okay. So Freemasonry teaches you things through symbology, right? Through symbols, pictures that represent teachings, right? You can remember a picture. Everybody knows what a stop sign looks like and they know what it means, right? No matter what language it's in or what country you're in. And, uh, you know, this is a great symbol for, you know, being too tied down to the material things, which is something else that we teach in Freemasonry. Don't worry about the material because like Jason said in his talk, it's fleeting. It's going to pass at some point, right? At some point, you know, you're one day you're in a bathtub, just rolling in the Benjamins and uh, the next day you're dead. So, um, you know, don't be too attached to the material things in this world and, you know, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. No matter, you know, whether you're, you know, Asian in a bathtub or Hispanic like me, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, all shapes and sizes. And that's another big point in Freemasonry, all shapes and sizes, right? We only have certain requirements. Um, this slide's talking about Jesus, but we don't care. You know, we don't ask who you pray to. We just ask that you you do have a belief in some sort of supreme being, right? And that ties really well into our ability to uh, talk to people of different faiths, that interfaith dialogue. Um, but let's segue into something else. Per capita cheese consumption. The number of people who died by becoming tangled in their bed sheets. Okay, these are two completely separate things, right? bed sheet tanglings and cheese consumed. And I think we're trying to make a correlation here, but that's the rub, right? With Freemasonry, you'll get symbols like a sheaf of wheat or a symbol like a, uh, a stonemason square. And you're thinking, what the hell do these two things have to do with each other? And at face value, they don't just like per capita cheese consumption and people who die by becoming tangled in their bed sheets. Um, you think there's no correlation. This doesn't mean anything, but if you get into what's happening, what these people are doing as they're consuming cheese, why they're becoming so entangled in their bed sheets. Maybe there is something that that binds those two things together, just like the symbols of the square and the level and the compass and um, the plum, uh, all these other symbols. Uh, you can put them on a graph just like this one that at face value makes absolutely no freaking sense. But if you spend the time and get into another value about Freemasonry, educating yourself. Maybe if I was more educated about how people eat cheese, maybe they're eating cheese in their beds while they're becoming tangled. And maybe that's a correlation I can make. Then I become a more informed human being, right? I'm not just somebody walking down the street, not knowing about cheese and bed entanglement. 
but now I know. So that made me a better person. And then what I need to do is share that with the rest of the world. Next slide. Wow. Okay. So this is a great, um, I don't agree with this slide. And this is again, something that I'm being confronted with that, you know, attacks my sensibilities. Love Jonathan Archer. I loved Enterprise, you know, even though it was only uh, four seasons, you know, not the usual seven seasons of Star Trek. I'm a big Trekkie. Um, he's totally not a forgettable captain. He was good. But this dovetails really nicely into uh, moral development. Okay, so when we first saw Jonathan Archer in the first season of Enterprise, he was kind of a doof, right? It's like, oh, man, it's the guy from Quantum Leap. He doesn't know anything. Um, he's terrible at Star Trek. But by the last season, you're like, wow, this person's grown morally and ethically. And they made all these decisions uh, throughout four seasons of Star Trek where we watch him grow as a character. And that's what Freemasonry should help you do is grow your character, right? Instead of being that same person you were, be a little bit better each day, like Jonathan Archer, okay? Just 1% better, like some people like to say. And he did that. Right. So um, I guess I'm going to say more about Jonathan Archer. So um, no, I'm not. Okay. So look at that. This dovetails really nicely into another value that Freemasonry brings, which is tempering your passions. Okay. So I know that people have these carnal instincts and people just want to run around like Zeus. And uh, for those who don't know Greek mythology, Zeus slept with probably around 300,000 people. Okay. Um, in a week. Okay. He just got around and his, his wife, Hera was like, what is going on, dude? Like all you're doing is run around, you know, uh, chasing stuff, but Freemasonry teaches you to subdue those passions. Okay. As much as you would like to, um, that's not the right way to be. Okay. You have to learn to be a more introspective, a more, um, contemplative and a more spiritual person and running around like Zeus kind of gets in the way of that, you know, but let's think about it. Zeus wasn't really introspective and he wasn't contemplative. He was Zeus. He ran, he lived on a mountaintop. He threw lightning bolts at people. He turned into weird animals and, did stuff that we can't talk about because it's a kid's show. So um, what we need to understand here is don't be like Zeus, okay? And um, wow, okay. That looks like Brad, Brad Billings, and Giorgio Sukalos. Okay, so again, this is another value that Freemasonry brings is exposure in the community, right? But that initial exposure is that, oh, they're the Illuminati or they do weird stuff or they do things that, you know, aren't cool or, you know, you get that sort of religious overtones that, oh, they were devil worshipers and things like that. And that's not really the case. You know, it's Freemasonry is in the community. Uh, a lot of people use Freemasonry as a community service, whether they do charitable works or they help the community as a whole or they do events for the community. Um, so think about those things and not, you know, all the crazy junk that you see on the internet um, because it's just not true. And then um, I think, especially in this country, what Freemasonry brings to the table is a sense of love of country. Okay. And nowhere on earth can that be more espoused than Ronald Reagan riding a velociraptor running with an American flag. I mean, that is just, balls right there. So, you know, and not all countries are like that. You know, some some countries where Freemasonry is practiced, um, you don't get any sense of nationalism. But at least here in continental Freemasonry, you know, we do hold allegiance. We're told to swear allegiance to the country in which we live. And I think that it's important that we understand that, you know, Freemasonry 
uh, and this country are so intertwined, just like Ronald Reagan and this Velociraptor, um, because the United States was a Masonic experiment, right? A Masonic experiment in government and in the power of the people and self-improvement through government. And that's one of the things that created this nation. So it's great. It's great imagery. So I think that, again, is that the last slide? Right on. Okay. So to tie a bow on all of this, all the things that I blurted out in these 10 minutes, um, again, it's about personal improvement and change. So if I can change and be conscious of that change to enjoy green beans when my natural inclination is to not want to do that, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm not going to be successful. And that's okay. That's part of the journey, right? So on your path to becoming a Freemason, the value is all of those tools that we just talked about and all of those benefits that we have. You can incorporate those into your life and strive to be a better person. So I will do that the next time I encounter a plate of green beans. Thank you for your time. I have a damn headache. Okay, that was... That, <laughs> Don't fight the slides. That freaking hurt, man. That hurt so bad. You spent uh, so much time fighting the slides. I could tell you bro. were waiting to hook on to the next one, and I was like, wait for it. I know. Oh. You kept, yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough. That was rough. <laughs> Thank you to everybody on the interwebs for your patience. That was rough. Um, uh, green bean images provided by Dolly as well, Jason. Yes. yes. <laughs> wow. Oh, that was painful. Um, yeah. But good job. Good job. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. You brought it all back. You brought it all back to me. That was fun. I didn't know we were going to open and close with green beans. That was that was that was. That's good. the point. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> nobody Just like knows. Lodge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Wow, I'm tired. I need a nap after that. That was <laughs> mentally challenging. You did, Speaking you did of mentally challenging, are you ready, Robert? Yeah, but put your kids to bed. You ready? Yeah, Nate, go to bed. <clears throat> Turn it off, Nate. You don't know what's on my slides? No, what's... but he doesn't know what I'm talking about either. Oh, what's your topic? Well, tonight's topic is sex, magic, and Freemasonry. Oh, okay. All righty. Okay, then I feel like I've heard that from someone else. Yeah. Right, yeah, but maybe not. Maybe not. So tonight I'm going to discuss why the two often intertwined Freemasonry and sex magic and how they're both used to create positive changes in individuals as well as the world as a whole. Well, so our audience is likely all too familiar with Freemasonry, so we are going to dispatch with talking too much about Freemasonry, uh, you know, which is essentially this ancient fraternal organization that traces its origins to the Middle Ages, perhaps even farther back when we consider ritualistic appropriation or here as we're seeing a, a scene from grumpier or grumpy old men trying to stab away at the uh, the dissonance of appropriation in our ritual. You know, Freemasonry is based on moral and philosophical systems that's closely linked to the symbolism of Masonic tools. And any Mason learned or otherwise has the ability to read. If these animals here can do it, so can the uh, regular old Freemason. Now the symbolism is used to teach moral lessons and to promote ethical behavior and even spiritual awakening. Now, of all these creatures, only the dog is, is capable of uh, spiritual awakening, probably. Uh, 
However, the, the goal of masonry is to create a better world through the improvement of its members. Just like here, these two suave looking gentlemen. You know, as we talk about sex magic, this is an ancient practice that combines physical, mental, and spiritual energies. Again, it's believed to be a powerful tool for manifesting one's desires and achieving personal transformation. Maybe you can see that here in this particular slide. Sex magic is often used to increase sexual pleasure, boost creativity, and bring about positive changes in the physical, emotional, and spiritual realms. And of course, here, you can develop a workflow for your sex magic and eventually put it into a process. But you need to know the difference. We have to address some of the misconceptions about sex magic. One of the most common myths about sex magic is that it's only for the practitioners of the occult. But in reality, sex magic can be used by anyone, regardless of their religious beliefs or lack thereof. It's a powerful tool that can be used for a variety of purposes. You know, people use many different types of mental images to uh, bring about uh, a sense of accomplishment, of power, of manifestation, or even climax. And for this, this absurd image that you're seeing here might even be something for somebody uh, to, to utilize. You know, one of the other things is that the sex magic can be used to increase self-love, improve relationships, and even ach achieve material goals. Another myth about sex magic is that it's only used to cast spells and manipulate other people. And while sex magic can be used in this way, it's important to note that it's not inherently a malicious practice. It can be used to increase its own, one's own power as well as do good in the world. So when we look at a graph like this, salad costs being more than a Big Mac, it, it's really interesting because you almost wonder to yourself, when we look at Freemasonry, maybe Freemasonry is the is the Big Mac and the sex magic is the salad. Well, listen, the Big Mac also has salad in it. And what I'm trying to say here is that these two concepts really are intertwined. Uh, we won't talk about salad tossing, but, you know, these can be used to increase one's own power as well to do good in the world. So sometimes people ascribe the practice of sex magic to selfish goals. Like here, we see George Washington. What is that, a DDT? Giving an old, uh, some English rebel scum. And on the right, you see the elevated form of Washington in his most godly sense, right? This sort of ideology is, is, exudes this idea of compassionate energy work right? Not too dissimilar from sex magic practitioners using healing energy to, uh, to bring about uh, great changes in the world and also address the sacredness of the divine feminine. And perhaps my favorite misconception about sex magic is that it's a form of, people think it's a form of black magic, that in reality, Sex magic is neutral practice, and the intention of the practitioner is what determines whether it's good or evil. Much like this dinosaur here, you see uh, the, the scene. Is this dinosaur one of those hunters who's going to come along and gobble up the eggs, or is it the nurturing mother? You don't know. It's all about intent, the hidden intent that you might not see if it's behind closed doors of one's bedroom. So what is the connection here between sex magic and Freemasonry? Well, 
if perhaps you're using sex magic inappropriately, you might be blessed with a family that looks something like what is on screen now. The Freemasonry is a spiritual and philosophical system, and while sex magic is a powerful tool for manifesting one's desires and achieving you know, personal transformation, the two are often seen as complementary and have been used together for centuries to bring about positive changes in the individual as well as the world as a whole. These folks here on screen are obviously the result of some sort of crazed inbreeding. Now, in many cultures, the sexual union was seen as a form of spiritual unification. And here you see you see the overwhelming image of the dog in the field of windows creeping down, looking at the cow. The symbolism here is that Freemasonry is looking sadly and, and, and longingly at the cow represented by sex magic. It just says, hey, I really want to take this in, but I'm so scared of what people might think. I'm going to be stuck on the other side of this hill forever. So the union is believed to be a powerful tool for creating these positive changes in people's lives, as well as in the physical world. And the practice of sex magic is believed to be beneficial to both the individual and the collective. Those other two cows out there, maybe those are horses. Either way, they're going to benefit. So Freemasonry has adopted many of the same ideas and practices of sex magic. In particular, they just come together for the great work. And I hope you enjoy it. <sighs> That was brilliant. <laughs> you know how much drugs I had to do to get through that? You know, <laughs> the only thing that made it even better was watching your wife's comments in, on the street. Yes. I didn't yeah. even see it. I, was, yeah. I kept it off so I couldn't see. Oh, my God. So now we have to go back and, and look at Remember, RJ, the best <laughs> thing about the salad is the ranch dressing. I'm a jelly man. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's a secret. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> that was good. That was good. Wow. Was, man. Jeez Louise, you guys. It, thank you so much, Joe. Those slides were exhilarating. And in the beginning, Justice. I was like, this ties really easily. And then it got more and more bizarre. So thank you for that bizarre yeah, part. Wow. Yes. Quite welcome. Yeah, it's great stuff. It was so, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with something that John said at the beginning. I don't think you can do this at Lodge. Um, well, well, not not that. <laughs> yes, like I don't think you just walk in. Should do that in public, somebody, but no, right? I, I don't think you can just walk in and have somebody else do your slides and and then make the magic happen. I think that's <laughs> damn near impossible. Um, because I I do I do talks all the time, and this I literally have a headache from trying to make this work. Um, <laughs> so it takes a lot of gray matter to do this. Like that's why we don't do it for any more than like five minutes because all of us are ready to go sleep now. Yeah, yeah. You're you're on your feet. You have a lot of cognitive work, right? There's no time to rest or to switch to like you know um, system one thinking, right? Where you can just kind of go on autopilot. No, you're system two thinking the whole time. Perhaps one of the perhaps honestly like one of the one of the best people that I've ever seen do this kind of stuff. Really, uh, and he, you you posted one of his tweets earlier or the the chats was Chad. Uh, he did uh, the first time I ever saw him do uh, uh, like what they call Pecha Kucha, which is kind of like what we did here. You know, uh, we did an episode on Pecha Kucha. We, we did. did. And as Jason said, the more familiar you are, familiar you are with the, the topic, the easier it can be to just kind of blast through slides. And um, 
Chad was the best, the smoothest I've ever seen at this. But I think uh, he's, I have he's a great you. speaker. I, Kudos, yeah. Chad. I have to uh, just commend y'all for holy cow, and then all anybody who's watching or listening at this, uh, we owe you something special. Yes. <laughs> Our apologies. We warned yeah. you. You had a chance to bail, and you made it this far. <laughs> so come back and and watch the the videos just for the chat. Yes. So so Joe, how could this be done in a lodge setting? Then all right. So not not as completely off the wall that we did, but what, what, what constraints would you give it uh, well, if you were to run this as a lodge event? No, this is uh well, I mean, to your point, you could make it a fun thing, right? Where you, I, I, I would use this for audience engagement. Like you say, you got a room full of brothers and nine times out of 10, it's somebody standing up behind a podium, doing a talk, um, flip it up, you know, bring up random slides that have to do with something Masonic and have each person go up and do a minute on one slide talking about things and mix it up. It'll, spur conversation it'll get more people engaged and it's not you know the typical two guys watching and the other 80 are sitting there sleeping you know um that's a good way to do it um i think the pecha method would probably be really good for masonic lodges right they're bite-sized um they get to the point and uh, for those that haven't seen that episode go watch it it's on youtube um and again brother chad kapinski he is a, a master at that um so go find him on facebook and pester him about that but um, last, i was i was just gonna say like last year uh two years ago at masonic on chicago and he's done it a couple times since scott duball decided that he was going to do a masonic presentation where the slides were literally nothing but memes so you know he took a lot of the the great memes that were like you know people were rehashing for different things at different points in the year right and he used those all you know and he called it something along the lines of masonic memory work <laughs> and uh people were like you mean memory and he's like no <laughs> um but using those kinds of images like you like you said it, it honestly people are like oh what's the next absurdist image he's gonna throw up now uh, and that really does tend to grab your audience's attention, especially when you're telling a story with slides rather than reading off of them. I'll tell you right now, you go into a room where you're reading off of slides. I guarantee you in a Masonic Lodge where guys know you're on the level and have no problem coming up to you and saying, you know, I don't need to be read to. It's happened to me. It's happened to others. I'm just saying, uh, so don't do that. Just throw up stuff and know your stuff. It's good. Or have a script. All right. Well, good stuff. Let's uh, let's go for the uh, final observation of the day. We'll start with Joe. Joe, what did you think of this episode? What would you do? Change? Different? Keep the same? Or what? Uh, well, this was my this is my first one. Uh, it was absolutely a blast. You've been uh, initiated. Thank you. Um, yes, and. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Actually, um, I had a lot of fun making the slides. I had no idea what what um, Robert was going to talk about, so that made it even more fun. And um, yeah, I think that everybody here did a fantastic job of navigating through the madness uh, to get their point across. Um, yeah, I wouldn't change anything. I think it was really well done, and I look forward to doing this in in maybe another four or five years. Um, <laughs> Definitely not right away. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was great. So I hope everyone here had fun. And uh, yeah, look forward to doing it again. All right. Thank you. Next week, PowerPoint Karaoke Part 2. No. All three. Jay Martinez. Part All 3. <laughs> Negative. All right, Jason, what say you? I mean, 
PowerPoint karaoke part three. 3.5, 33 and a third. <laughs> oh, man. So this episode tonight drains me more than the research-heavy episodes we spend hours and hours and hours preparing for. Um, and that's because, as you mentioned, the systems to thinking. Holy cow. Like, it just... Your neurons are firing nonstop for that six minutes. And... I think it's so prepping the materials, I think, is hilarious because naturally we're all trying to game the system. You know, if I am making slides like I made for John, I'm like, okay, what is going to, you know, mess Trig with him? trigger? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, I didn't really take that approach this time. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to do all generative AI. John will get a kick out of it. Um, we've been thinking a lot about inner alchemy and spiritual transformation. And so I'm just going to do a loose set of presentations, all kind of glued together by Dolly images and, you know, the general concept of inner transformation and call it a day. And that ended up, based on your topic being like the worst thing I could have done. Yeah. Lesson so. learned. That was fun. That was a fun challenge. So yeah, good. Awesome. Yeah, it was good. All right, Robert, over to you. Yeah. So <laughs> I just kept thinking about how you had to be on the fly, reference the slide and come back. And all I could think about was, uh, Hercule Poirot. Right. The uh, you got to have all your little gray cells moving and, and have some respect for your for your brain and really be using it. Um, there have been times where you you ever go into a meeting. Right. And it's something you are passionate about. And the collective in the meeting puts such a strain on you all day that when you actually go home, you just I mean, it's like unbelievable of how taxed you are. I didn't find this like super taxing, but it is definitely an exercise where you have to continually shift and it's a lot of fun. And I think, uh, it's a beneficial exercise to do with your friends. I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, I used to like take the notebook out, right? You start writing a story, then you pass it to your buddy after like three minutes and you keep going around and around and around until you build this incredibly absurd story. Uh, my friend, Chris, Chris and Paul used to do this with me and we wrote some of the goofiest stuff you ever heard. And it was a lot, it was so much fun, but we became better like writers and better thinkers and like just funny. And in that same respect, you could do this with your friends as an exercise and have a lot of fun with it. But at the same time, you're learning to think on your feet and you just get better and better at it. Like they say, the key to being a good writer is to be a good reader. And so a, a key to being a good presenter is to be able to, to think on the fly like this. And so I hope some people watching maybe got a little bit of inspiration here as well as a few laughs at our behest um, to, you know, do this in the future, maybe with some of your fun brothers, maybe just around a table, you know, pass around a little iPad and, and tap through the slides as, as somebody gives their presentation or something. Have fun. I agree. Awesome. Yeah, not much more to add other than it was a lot of fun. Uh, the prep time was fun, especially when you knew who you're going to prep for. So you can add those little, those little quirks and triggers that the triggers that only they would get, or that would throw them off guard. <clears throat> but, um, but again, it's, it's about making education fun, which is again, uh, definitely why it's a passion of ours and relating that to Freemasonry. 
uh, can make sometimes the the boring meeting a little bit more exciting. And again, even it doesn't have to be part of the the formally tiled meeting. It could be something again that you do at, at the uh, social hour after the lodge. So try it out. It'll be fun. Um, you'll learn something. Uh, either way, you'll learn something. Whether it's the topic that was presented or how to really uh, poke at your friends. So with that, I want to thank you all very much for watching. I keep searching for more life. Have a good night. Wow.